I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and you're listening to The Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at Mini Cooper. Isn't it funny how as kids we're so excited to get our driver's license and get behind the wheel, only to eventually lose the joy of the driving experience? Here's why Mini is so genius. They put the fun back into driving. I've been driving Mini Coopers on and off for years, back when I lived in London during summers in the Hamptons, and of course, right here at home in Los Angeles, where the built-in trip planning app is particularly useful. That's what I love about these cars. The designers put so much time and brain power into making sure that everything from the aesthetics to the wheel placement to the techie extras work flawlessly. It's what makes the Mini a true joy to drive. To learn more about Mini and their diverse range of models, visit miniusa.com. Okay, it's me again. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've listened before, thank you and welcome back. Every Thursday, and sometimes more often, we'll be sitting down with leading thinkers, culture changers, and industry disruptors. You'll hear me interviewing some of the people I admire most in this world, and you'll also hear a lot from my chief content officer at Goop, Elise Lunin. I love listening to Elise's interviews because she asks the smartest questions and really just listens. I learn a lot from the guests she talks with and take away something tangible from every single episode. Today, I'm sharing a conversation I had with one of my best friends, the British designer and fashion icon, Stella McCartney. Stella and I caught up when I was in London to celebrate Goop's 10th anniversary and the opening of our pop-up shop in Notting Hill. Before we turn to talking about our families and what we like to make for quick dinners, we talked about something we've oddly never really talked about before, business. I asked Stella about how she built her extremely impressive brand and how she made the values of the company cool. We also talked about designing for women and all the various elements that make up a woman and the way she feels or wants to feel in her clothes. Some days I want to feel, I want to reflect that I feel really good about my body or good about how I look or good about how the day has gone. And I want to be a little bit more kind of um, seen through what I wear. And other days I want to disappear because I feel rubbish, you know, and I think that that's human. At the end of today's conversation, I'll be doing a quick round of Ask Me Anything. If you have a question on your mind, just drop us a line at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. I hope you enjoy our chat. Can I ask you some... Oh my God, you're actually going to do it. I am. I have to do it. I'm so... You're such a great podcast subject. (laughs) Am I supposed to take this seriously? You can try. I'm going to try my hardest to be grown up. I want to ask you some business questions because obviously I've known you for a very long time. And I've loved you for a very long time. And You've just realized I'm a businesswoman. Yeah. <laughs> it's just literally dawned on you, it hasn't dawned it, over on the last six months? About four years ago when I started trying to make a business. You're like, oh, and shit. And then I was like, holy shit, look what she's done. In the background, she was ferreting away all this time. None of us knew it. So how many years has it been? When did you leave Chloe and start Stella McCartney? My um, I think I left Chloe around 2000 and I founded Stella McCartney 2001. I mean, I did it all okay. within six months, actually. So 17 years? Yeah, good maths. 
Yeah, and I'm really good at it. Mm, that's my strong that suit. We always think about your growth. Is how good you are at maths. We'll talk about that actually oh. when you're not around. I'm amazing. I can, you know, write algorithms and oh, everything. Yeah. yeah. How do you delineate what your responsibilities are at the company? How involved are you strategically? How involved are you in numbers? Strategically, I'm really involved, but I'm quite an instinctive business type and creative type so I work from the gut really mm-hmm. I mean there's some things that are sort of blatantly obvious when you're in the fashion industry in my kind of luxury sector um, that one sort of automatically adheres to as a sort of code but um, yeah strategically a lot of the out of the box thinking I think is is where I find com- you know I feel comfortable in that space the numbers less so but I just like it when they tell me that they're, they're in a good place you know I, I just sort of I'm fine as long as the numbers are good. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to be able to feel comfortable with your team and allow them to be good at what you've hired them to do. I think um, I've, I've been told about founder's syndrome recently, and so I, I want to avoid it like the plague. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think I kind of have a balance between the business and the creative. I obviously studied to be a fashion designer, so that's really my main job at Stella McCartney is to be the designer yeah. of the product. Do you use data at all in terms of the decisions that you make creatively? Like, will you look at selling reports and say, okay, this works, let's redo this in this color? Or do you, is that, is that yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely respond to what our customers respond to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important for me. I think I started out in fashion design when um, most designers were doing unwearable clothes and the more unwearable the design, the more sort of fabulous a designer you were. And I didn't really understand it. You know, I have my degree show at St. Martin's and I did wearable clothes and it was kind of this dirty word. But I stuck to it because I really believed in it. And also as a woman designer, I wanted to be able to wear the clothing and I wanted my friends to be able to wear it, you know. And I think that was really valuable to me. And I think slowly over time, I saw the shift in other houses where they started to sort of go, okay, hey, wait a minute, we're not only about selling bags and shoes, which is predominantly what most luxury houses are making their numbers on. I think I want women to feel they can come to us and rely on us and we're a staple in their wardrobe. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the great things about your clothes is that they're, they are so, not only are they so wearable, but you feel quite powerful and beautiful like I think you understand the female form so well and it's you know it's it feels like a good moment when you put on a Stella McCartney look right I Uh, hope so well it does for me I mean that's the intention you know I think as a woman designing for women and now for men I mean I'm obviously not a kid and we're sitting in the kids area of the Bond Street store so I can't you know I can't design for kids being a kid but um, as a woman designing for women, I definitely take time in the fittings to really, you know, every centimetre and even millimetre really counts. Yeah. Trying on the clothes for me is critical and just having that sense of how I feel in them. And I mean, when I started wanting to be a fashion designer, it was actually less about how I wanted a silhouette to be or a colour or a trend. It was much more about how I wanted to feel and sort of psychologically how important that is, how we reflect who we are through what we wear and how we feel. How did you want to feel? I just wanted to feel, and I still want to feel, confident and naturally sexy. I want to feel like myself. I don't want to feel like I'm wearing something that somebody else designed and I 
didn't have the sort of confidence or the security in myself to, to really say who I am. Some days I want to feel, I want to reflect that I feel really good about my body or good about how I look or good about the, how the day has gone. And I want to be a little bit more kind of um, seen through what I wear. And other days I want to disappear because I feel rubbish, you know, and I think that that's human. And I sort of want all of that to be here at Stella McCartney. But the emotions are very important mm. to the design process for me. So interesting. How do you reconcile, like, designing for a whole woman? I do think we're living in a time where there's kind of an emerging new archetype for a woman. And we talk about this a lot in the office, but, you know, where you can be entrepreneurial and very feminine and maternal mm -hmm. and sexual and intellectual and all of these things. And I feel like of all of the designers designing right now, you are sort of encapsulating that woman, right? Because there's strength in your clothes, there's femininity. And then also you can wear them to work and then you can go to a soccer game and then mm -hmm. you can go. I think, I, I always think of you as designing for the whole Yeah, woman. I mean, I like to think, you know, I've, I've always felt like there's so many different facets to the great women that I know. And I have two daughters and I have two boys and I want them all to feel equal. You know, I think equality is a, a massive thing for us at Stella McCartney. Having said that, we have over 80% women in the company. <laughs> so we kind of get men coming and saying, hey, I don't think, you know, I don't know if I can further my career here because of my gender. So we have, you know, we have to kind of think about, you know, that side. But I, you know, I'm proud of the concept that clothing is your friend and it's part of your wardrobe. Timeless design is important to me. I don't, you know, I wear things that I designed 10 years ago yeah. with something I designed 10 minutes ago. And I think if they, you know, they all have the same starting point, yeah. they integrate well, I think, into your life. And it's another way to make sustainable fashion. Yeah. Not only are you doing something that's in a beautiful investment piece, but it's kind of trend proof. It lives forever. And that's something that, you know, I'm so proud of you and in awe of you because what you've managed to do is make a value-driven brand cool and I can't think of any other brand that's been able to do that made you know vegetarianism cool and made sustainability cool like how do you do it that it wasn't cool when I started well that's my it point it was really uncool I was kind of the you know first of all I was Paul McCartney's daughter which was a bit ridiculed and then you I was are? this <laughs> yeah didn't you know and then I was this sort of you know weirdo that didn't use leather or fur in the luxury goods industry which is unheard of I mean it's still unheard of nearly 20 years on um I think, you know, when I started, the word brand wasn't a word that I had in my vocabulary. The word authenticity or value driven, you know, those are sort of recent mm -hmm. trigger points, I think, for people that want to kind of come into different businesses. For me, it's just, you know, it's honest. It's It comes from the heart. It's the way I was brought up. It's the way I look at life. It's the way I live my life. And so I wasn't ever going to really change that because of how I wanted to, to live my, my business life. But, you know, I've also learn actually how privileged I am you know I'm in a position where I can make choices and I don't have to compromise myself and that is something to not be sort of belittled I don't Absolutely, think yeah. um, and so I think I've been afforded this incredible opportunity and I have a voice and so I've got to use it you know mm -hmm. and I, and yeah, it's the thing that really 
like turns me on about my work. I go into the office or I design this store and I'm like, okay, what can we do that's sustainable? Let's use technology to clean the air and we'll have the cleanest air in the city in any store in the world. And just silly things that people don't even notice. I mean, I always joke with the staff who work here at Bond Street that um, they're like, I'm, they're anti-aging is that, you know, I'm always like, I want to come and work here. Is it really the cleanest air in a store? Yeah. It's, we you... used um, this, this tech company called Air Labs and they filter the air and it's like, don't you feel I much do. more awake than when you in came fact, in? Now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> Our voices are going to start getting higher and we're going to start giggling. Um, Did you get slagged off for it in the beginning for being values driven? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just more this kind. It was such a weird thing, you know. And I think, look, you know, I'm in a in a business world, and I think what I've been trying to do is show that you can have ethics, you can have a cruelty free business, you can have one that wants to care about the people that are making the clothes, how you're sourcing the products, how you're finding the fabrics. You can do all that and still actually have a healthy business model. Mm. And I think had I not have had a healthy business model, I wouldn't be talking to you, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't have this store, and I wouldn't be now just taken seriously. I think now people that are running the businesses, it's not sadly the designers really that are picking up on it yet. I think it's more the business people going, hey, these are words that young people, that these are, you know, these are things that resonate with young people. This is just the baseline of what they require yeah. when they come to, to be a conscious consumer. And somebody said to me recently, actually, on your hen weekend, one of your friends said to me, she said, you know what I love about when I come into Stella McCartney? I feel like you've done all my work for me. You've checked, you know, you've gone down my list of requirements and you've sort of done it for me. That's very cool. Very cute that that was there. And it really, I really heard that loud and clear. I was like, wow, that's, I'm like an editing, yeah. I'm a filter for people that um, want to consume in a more conscious way in fashion, in luxury fashion. Mm. And, you know, every single second, mm -hmm a truckload of fast fashion is landfilled or burnt. And that, you know, it's the second most harmful in the industry to the environment. And that is just like crazy. I just found out about that quite it's recently. Crazy, it's crazy, you know, and, and I've learned so much, you know, the foundations of why I don't use leather or fur were because I don't eat animals. But then it just transpired the connection between killing animals for a product of whatever type, buys, you know, it? you're cutting down trees, you're using mm. water inefficiently, you're using grain to go through a cow before it goes through a human. And it just makes perfect sense. So then you start connecting the dots. And you think, okay, can I use wind power to power my stores? Can I use solar power in certain areas of the world? Can I use technology, which is really super exciting. I know you, you guys look at that a lot. You know, can we grow leather in a lab? Can we spin silk in a lab? Can we do all these things so Amazing. it's really like I that's the sexy bit for me now that's yeah. the bit where I come to every meeting I'm like okay you know so our would collection... you use leather if it was grown in a lab yeah right because totally. it wouldn't have harmed yeah animal. yeah no I you know hey my base kind of requirement is to not kill animals right. so we you know even when we use wool we source it we track it we use very limited places now that we source it from and it's not only about the animal welfare it's also about the soil and the nutrients going back into the soil you know it's a, it's a circular economy it's really amazing it's fascinating <clears throat> when you start looking at the luxury fashion industry in that way because and it's an industry copy, i mean everybody's following suit now you know so many brands have now banned fur mm -hmm. and i mean you're a real trailblazer in that way yeah and you you've know. done it without being incredibly strident which you know, I think a lot of times when you hold a very deep belief about something and you're passionate about something, it's easy to get on a soapbox about it. Yeah. And uh, 
you've managed to not do that. You know, I, I sometimes even see in during a conversation or a dinner, you know, you sort of temper the impulse. <laughs> My anger and frustration. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up... Um, as a vegetarian, going to dinner parties and people are like, oh my God, what are you eating? What? You're a vegetarian? What? Like, it was so, they just thought it was the weirdest thing and you'd have to sort of fight your side of the, you know, argument. It was like you got into an argument just because you didn't want to eat meat or fish. Because people, you know, this is, again, this is something that I ponder is that when you're introducing a new idea into the culture, people, you know, you're you're just there eating a vegetarian entree but if but somebody is taking that somebody could take that as oh you think I'm doing it wrong yeah, or you think definitely. I'm a bad person uh, yeah it's their own crap that right. kind of reflects back in and I get that and I so I think I learned early on that the only way to really try to kind of make someone see it from your side or have an understanding was to just delicately give information because information is power I mean on any conversation you will have in your podcast you're giving information right. And, you know, you can give it in a gentle way, I think. I mean, I've, I did a project with Sea Shepherd a couple of, like, six months ago, and we used ocean plastics to make these recycled nylons, and I made these beautiful bags. And you would never tell. You know, for me, the most exciting part is I hope you walk into my store and you would never tell that my shoe isn't made out of leather or it doesn't have animal bone glue or, you know. Right. And um, I find that kind of concept really weirdly exciting too but I was talking to Sea Shepherd and he you know the, I get it because my mum and dad grew up especially my mum because she was so sort of passionately um, frustrated seeing just the cruelty that was going on at such a massive amount mm. and um, it was just you know it's upsetting I think if you can see something so clearly and you think you know maybe had we not have gone so far and had the fashion industry now not gone, gone so far it's a, you know it can be okay if you can find a healthy balance, but um, I was talking to him and I could just see he was just you know it, it was it's so hard because he's been fighting this fight trying to just save whales for crying out loud you know, and um, I was talking to him and I just thought that I, that's how I used to be, and I I really make an effort to not be so passionate in a sense for people to actually not hear what I have yeah, to say. Yeah, they almost hear you more when you. Yeah, and also. It's not, it doesn't take a genius to just sort of go through the process and think, actually, I can make better decisions about how I consume. You know, we do it everywhere in our life. Yeah. People do it more and more. It's fascinating for me, actually. I, um, when I first started out, I would have lady, women come up to me and they'd be like, oh, my God, I love your Falabella bag. I have two of them. It's lasted me for 10 years. It's like a staple in my wardrobe. Or I love your shoes. And now I get like 15, 16, 17-year-old girls and they come up to me and they say, oh, my God, thank you so much having a sustainable brand and thinking of the animals yeah. and thinking for the, about the environment. And that shift is so fascinating to me because, you know, these trigger words are like generation X, Y, and Z, and zero. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God, leave these poor kids alone, you know? like. But for me, they've sort of naturally gravitated toward the brand because it's the way they have a future. It's the only way they have a future is if people start doing this. They're, they're, they're going to save us. Let's hope so. I mean, well, we've got a, a couple between us. <laughs> Let's hope they all, you know. Which brings me to my next line of questioning. So you have these four incredible children, so different from one another. I mean, their personalities are, don't you find, like they're such different, you've raised them the same, they're very different people. 
they're all wonderfully energetic and gorgeous and sweet and beautiful. How is it being a mother of four and running a giant company that, by the way, you just bought back? So you used to have this massive conglomerate behind you and all the support and infrastructure, and I don't even know what they provided, but I assume it was nothing to scoff at. So you've just undertaken this giant, very brave, might I add, step of buying back your company. And you have four young kids. So how do you how do you do it? <laughs> Can you hear my sigh over the radio? <sighs> <sighs> well, you know, I'm just doing it. I think that um, it's funny. My sister, when I had my first baby, she said, oh, God, you know, this is nothing. You wait till they're, you know, till they get older. It's even harder work. And I thought, that's crazy. This kid is like three months old and I haven't even looked in the mirror today or brushed my teeth and it's 10 p.m. at night. But, um, yeah, you know, I think each day as it comes, it's um, it's just trying to find that balance, you know. I was riding my horse a few hours ago and I was... And I my being with my babies and my husband and being on my farm and things like that, that's kind of where I'm at my happiest and my calmest. And then... You know, I, I have a, a big job and I have a lot of responsibility. I think that's the thing. I look at all the people that we now employ. and How many? Just too many. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a big um, weight that you carry with me. But also at the same time, I just every day I just think, God, you know, this is what I wanted to be. From the, the age of sort of five, six, seven, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And I would look at all of the houses that were, you know, still the biggest houses in the world. And I'd look at those handbags and it would say London, Paris, New York, saying where their stores are, or Tokyo. And I'd be like, oh my God, I've got like a bag that says my name on it and says London, Paris, New York, Tokyo, you know. <laughs> and I have to remind myself, hopefully not too often, that this is my dream come true. Yeah. And I think as a, a woman that's, yeah, about to take back full ownership of, of the house. Yeah. Woo-hey! <laughs> See if it's here in, in six months. Um, oh, it's... It's just something, you know, I think, again, coming back to my sort of place of privilege, it's, I think it's rude not to. It's like if mm-hmm. I can't do this, yeah. then um, how do I kind of, you know, you've got to... Do you have any rules or guardrails that you put around, you know, this is my time with kids or I take this, you know, section of my day off on this day of the week or... You know, we always do this. Like, are there those certain touchstones that are really important to you? I sort of was trying to do that before I decided to take back the other the other 50% um, of the business. I was like, oh, you know, on a Friday I'll do pickups or, you know. And I think <laughs> I, I think right now I'm back in, in, you know, I'm in the thick of it, in the transition. Um, but I think that's something, you know, what I'm really aware of in my 40s is how you're just always learning all the time, aren't you? You sort of think, OK, I'm going to have this down pat by this time, you know, and I definitely have more more work to do on, on that. You know, I've just done this amazing project with David Lynch um, and his foundation. We've what just done it? a beautiful film on, on TM, on oh, meditation. Wow. You know Bob Roth. I do. And we actually have him in one of the changing rooms on audio. We have meditation upstairs. Oh, and, that's so cool. Yeah, so, you know, I try and sort of, I mean, just even in the store alone, I'm trying to kind of bring the experience of finding yourself and finding moments to yourself mm-hmm. because I know those are sort of, you know, the most precious the, pre- the most precious moments. So I'm trying. I yeah. would say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very aware that I do you do it I mean I try to always be home 
early enough in the evening so that I'm there for like homework time and dinner time. Yeah. And I do four different drop offs in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I like I don't know up. how you do that. <laughs> I take them to school every day. I can't pick them up. I can't pick them up so much. I try, I try, but at the moment, you know, but I agree. I think you tail end the day and you, you know, my, I think we beat ourselves up so much. We're like the worst generation of parenting, you know, we, we just, we just really beat ourselves up. And I think, you know, I definitely have unconditional love for my kids and they know I'm there and I'm there, yeah. you know, and, and I, but I have this other family. I have this other family down the road, which is made up of a whole other set of creatures and, and, you know, I think it's incredible. I mean, it's extraordinary. And it's all, it's all like, you know, it's got its ups and downs, but yeah. at the at the core of it, there's just a huge amount of love, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's tons. You're such a loving family. It's so Aww. sweet. Yeah. And your sister and her kids and James and you guys are, <laughs> you know, it's really, I, I always, and I think I'm similar, so... I always love being with you guys because it just feels it's so warm and it's so family yeah. and the importance of family just feels paramount. Yeah. We'll get back to Stella in a minute. Let's talk about our partner first. It doesn't really matter where you live. If commuting is a part of your everyday life, you've probably spent some time thinking about how frustrating driving can be. And while maybe nothing could make traffic fun, Driving a Mini Cooper certainly helps. Personally, there are many reasons why I've been driving Mini Coopers for years. For starters, the signature go-kart handling makes navigating London streets, Los Angeles highways, and the Hamptons country roads equally breezy. The built-in intuitive entertainment system makes pulling up your favorite playlist or say the Goop podcast as easy as pressing a button. Mini Coopers are designed brilliantly. Put simply, you don't even need to see them make to know that you're looking at one. Their latest model, the Mini Countryman, looks and feels just like the original, but it has ample space for five passengers, plus tons of cargo room for sports equipment, groceries, strollers, and more. You also have the option of getting the plug-in hybrid electric version. And if all that weren't enough, you can customize your ride with special upholstery and interior finishes. You even have the choice of over 250 tones of ambient lighting. To learn more about Mini and their diverse range of models, visit MiniUSA.com. Okay, back to Stella and me. Your husband is a very creative guy. How much... I'm, you know, I'm newly married, as in one week I'm ago talk today. All about that. Should we get all the juice on this wedding? What did you wear? What was your second wedding dress like? Did you have a second wedding dress? I did. I had my second wedding dress was made by an incredible woman who's very into sustainability really? and fashion. Oh God, yeah. I'd love to meet her. Yeah, she's pretty cool. I've heard she's good at a second wedding dress. Yeah, that one. she is. That's pretty dope. Um, and so, I'm I'm really curious because. Um, you know, I find myself now married at 46, the day after I turn 46, two days after I turn 46, um, and in a relationship where I feel great parity and I feel like a real partnership. And, um, and, and so I was wondering for you, like, how does your marriage, like, what kind of backbone is that for you? Do you and Alistair work through creativity stuff together 
and is you know from the outside you you have such a strong partnership so what is that like for you I mean you've been it's been a long time even I was thinking about this the other day because I was pregnant with Apple at your wedding and she's <laughs> unknowingly four- I know might I add and she's 14 so sipping it's- on the tequila <laughs> I know that was I was like why does this red wine make me feel so <laughs> and it was good red wine too it was amazing um well you know I've definitely blessed enough to have met my soulmate you know and I think it's it's incredible Alistair is definitely the foundations of you know everything that I do if he wasn't there I don't know how I would do any of it he's the best dad in the world he's a brilliant husband he's also very creative he Mm -hmm. started wallpaper with Tyler and he did um, future systems with you know he's been very kind of at the he was always at the beginning and launched things before mm-hmm. I guess a, a little bit kind of like I've done ahead of you the know curve. slightly ahead of always, the curve so yeah. we probably you know we have that in common he um and he works with me on my Adidas collaboration that's been a while now and that's nice we have touch points of when we get to you know enjoy each other's creativity outside of home mm-hmm. but he also sits on my board so he's oh he does yeah, I didn't he know al- that he always has done so he's my you know he's my family board member oh that's incredible and, um, I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's that's hugely important. Do you have really, sex in the boardroom? <laughs> <laughs> on the boardroom floor, <laughs> not on the table. God, how predictable. <laughs> on the way to the boardroom, on the way back from the boardroom. Oh, God. <laughs> we made babies laugh. in the boardroom. Maybe I should have a T-shirt. Babies of... in the boardroom. I like that. <laughs> no, so he, you know, he's... A massive part, really, of my ev- every single part of my waking moment. That's very you cool. Know, my hubby. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're a newlywed. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's great. It's I fantastic. Lucky saying. you too. It's so fun. Yeah. I mean, what a blessing. It's it's really a blessing. I'm re- I'm very. I feel very optimistic about it. I would I, hope so. I just hope I don't. Imagine if you fuck didn't. That would suck. I know. Imagine if she right now was sort of like pulling faces. I feel really optimistic about it. <laughs> that would be that would be really. Hard. Well, you got a good one there, and you, you know, both deserve good. happiness for sure. What when you have to like make a quick dinner for everybody after work or whatever? What do you what do you make? Oh God, quick one. Yeah, like I normally make so you know I'll make Mexican probably knock up a quesadilla with a little refried beans and you know little the Mexican's pretty quick in yeah. my house um, a slightly longer one because I like to give it time I do like you know eggplant parmigiana Ooh, or something that's my favorite that's a good one I do I do that one well the quickies are normally you know pasta yeah or Mexican or omelette kids love. Can't go wrong with a bit of melted cheese no, and a it's true. tostada. My kids know? eat that all the time too. <laughs> what do you do? If it's quick for the kids, same. I mean, they they love pasta. They would eat pasta three yeah. times a day if I let I them. I mean, carbs are pretty much our best friend yeah. in the Willis household. I mean, a good veggie stir fry or mm-hmm. soba stir fry. Apple, yeah. as you know, your goddaughter yeah. is vegetarian. She's, She's really my child. She's totally your child. So I'm, I'm very, you know 
I have I'm well versed in fast mom vegetarian entrees. I'm a good, I I I like a good marinated tofu. I can't bear an unmarinated tofu. Yeah. I actually take offense at it as a vegetarian. When she they give you a- she loves you know this is fun too is like uh, she's very into poke bowls. Uh-huh. And so, oh, yeah. like, I'll steam some rice and put it in a bowl and then have a bunch of little mm. toppings, mm. you know, marinated tofu and yeah. toasted sesame seeds. Let her feel like she's part of the process. She then does her Clever little... parenting. Her little bowl, you know, stir fry some I veggies. do that more with s'mores. I'm more on the, you know... S'mores? I'm like a bad parent. I'm like, here's the, <laughs> here are the contents for s'mores. Do with them as you please. Uh, we did that today, actually, in the country, on the fire. Cute. With our vegetarian marshmallows, which I have to say are equally as good as a gelatin-filled marshmallow. Marshmallows. Horses' hooves. Babe. Come on, not to this project. day. I mean, everything I this essentially like has sugar in it animals. Really? To this day? Uh-huh. A Gelatin regular is, yeah. marshmallow has... Yeah. Boiled down horses' hooves, or probably I would say maybe horses' hooves are a little... Well, they're cheap. Depends on what's the cheapest hoof in town at the time. Oh my god, this is bumming me <laughs> out. What well, do you, you know, do? Delivered with with jest, which is my way of. I know of, that uh, is your way. It's very <laughs> clever. Now, okay, I'm learning a lot here. What do you do? What's to totally chill, or if you've had a really, but you're home, you're in the city, and you've had a really in the city. I'm in the city. Yeah, totally you're in chill. the city. Really? Do I have to be in the city to chill? Yes, like Ugh. you've had a really amped up day. It's normally like a hot bath, yeah, and sex in the boardroom because we have a boardroom at home. <laughs> you know, yeah, we were like, we sort of thought dining room or boardroom. Oh, let's just have a boardroom because we're a modern business family, so we have a sexy boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an ensuite boardroom, and we love to have sex in it. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, With non-gelatin marshmallows, of course, because you know, heated up, what would only that hot, be? <laughs> you know, a little sticky action. Um, yeah, a bath on a serious that, note, yeah. Gwyneth. That's what I, I know because I... <laughs> oh my God, you could, she's coming to stay with me and she's like, do you have a bath? Because I can't... I'm British, babe. We, I know, of you Of course, have we have baths. We I have know. baths everywhere. I just baths. Need, I need, I'm half American. Though. I need a bath. I have showers too. You do? Yeah. Whatever you want. <laughs> Your wishes are command. So do you know what number store this is in Stella oh, McCartney? How many? I know it's number 23 Bond Street, which was what I, th- I thought you meant. No. no I thought, oh, gosh. Like, how many stores do you have worldwide? Uh, uh, thing is, I'm like, I feel like there's certain information that I just don't want to know. God, you're so fucking I know cool. how many. Uh, roughly, I have like that You have odd, so many stores that you don't even know. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, that, that's either that cool or really uncool. No, it know. is that's very kind cool. Of very tasteless or tasteful I can't quite tell I don't know you know I'm a little bit head in my sand about achievement on that level I just like to sort of as long as I know we're doing well and we're heading in the right direction I just you know I want to and I think if I'm making the right decisions if I'm making things in the way that I believe human beings should make things on the planet you know I have people tracking it's not we're not totally funky but but it's interesting because also I think it's sort of um it's a tenant of British consciousness as well to not sort of be racking. We're a little up. embarrassed by by things like that, but Why my American is? side is very happy and want. It's funny. I think that oh, I don't know. It's it's a funny one. I think there's probably a little shame attached to being successful in England. Why? Or I don't have a clue. I think let's blame Chaucer 
and okay. Shakespeare. Let's I mean, I'll do just it. blame you know. How far back can we go? I think we it did has to do with a lot the, of the planet. I at think one that's stage. Maybe we feel guilty with. for that's like raping theory. and pillaging half of the planet. Having lived here for a long time and having been an expat here for a long time, I always wondered what that slight shame is about. I don't know. I mean, I like to think that I borrow from both sides of of my heritage. You know, I love the American side of me. My mum was a kick-ass New Yorker, and I celebrate every second of her existence on this planet. And she was a fighter. She was honestly, like, the most forward-thinking human I've I've ever encountered. And, you know, really, well, so ahead of her time. It's, It's shocking, actually. And, you know, and then I have my scouser rock and roll star dad who again like you know wow what an icon so and I like that I borrow and and steal from sort of both of those backgrounds I think it's a nice balance I hope so obviously in the background of everything I'm you know I'm competitive and I want to succeed and I wouldn't have bought back 100% of the company if I didn't want to be a kick-ass businesswoman you know yeah and be a good example to my kids and kind of be a fighter and and um but there's another side of me that sort of just wants to sort of feel it too feel the kind of process and not and I'm not driven by those things you know they're they're there and but they kind of work alongside each other and I think my creativity complements my desire to have a business Mm. because if I don't have a business I can't be creative but if the business takes over then where's the creativity why do you think that Britain is such an incredible epicenter of creativity. I've always wondered. Do you it's actually anything? our biggest export. You know that I worked on the 2012 Olympic Games. Oh, I remember. And the last Olympic Games, which was crazy, like the most amazing thing. And I remember doing the. Remember the, when it was a, like a huge secret, and you're like, I have to go to the, this thing, and I can't tell you what it is yet. So many secrets. You know that I'm like this whole vessel is just one big secret. Mm-hmm. I mean, add that into the mix, and it's you know. Wish me luck mentally. Um, so yeah, when I was working on the 2012 Olympics, I got asked. I became a Great Britain, um, which was a great honour. You are a great Britain. Great Britain. And they asked me to go on this panel, and I spoke. Um, and I learned that our our biggest export financially in Britain is creativity. And I just thought, wow, that is something to be really proud of. It certainly is. You know, you would think it would be banking, or pro- you know, you would think with our, you know, with the city and things like that here, because we're also, also very good at that too, but it's the creativity that has been, been our this biggest export. And um, I don't know why we're good at it. I think we're irreverent. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We're punk rock. I mean, punk rock happened here. Yeah. The Beatles happened here. The Stones happened here. I mean... Yeah, but I don't know. I'd have to think. I'll ponder that one, and I'll get back to you on our next podcast Maybe it's together. The weather. Maybe yeah, well, we've got great weather here. We're fighters. Yeah, you, you are. know, we're like this tiny little island. We stick up for ourselves. It's and... interesting because you know when you live somewhere for such a long time and you have children in a country that's not your own and friends in a scarred. country. Gwyneth is scarred. No, I know. I love it here so much, and I feel even before I moved here, even before. I met Chris or had children. I was always here making films yeah. and doing yeah, plays. And I have such a strong connection to... I mean, William got the Oscar for you as well as your performance. Yeah, had exactly. he not Had it not have been for the shaky spear. That's correct. And I, But I've always... You know, I, I love being an expat because I think you're always so awake to your surroundings mm. and... I, I was always noticing everything in a way that I just don't in New York or California, yeah. where I grew up 
And I was always so inspired by everything around me. And I, I always did think, my gosh, like the level of there's something under the surface here that's so like brimming with life and mm. creativity and that sort of amazing life force. And on the surface, Britons are quite, you know, reserved. Yeah, but underneath, we, you know, we'll queue up quietly and we, we won't, you know, yeah. we won't make too much of a fuss. But but in the, in the meantime, they're, you know... M- beautiful mothers of four who are buying back 100% of their companies. Stexit, we call it at home. Stexit, that's pretty good. (laughs) Thanks for talking to me. I love you, and you are... um, Thank you for having me. You're such an inspiration, it's crazy. You know, because sometimes when someone's one of your best friends, you sort of live life side by side, and you go on, and then, you know, recently, I've especially when I was thinking about what I was going to talk to you about today, I was like, holy shit! Yeah. This girl really has got her act together. Well, we've known each other a long time, and we're sort of just getting on with it, aren't we? We've always just gotten on with our work. Yeah. We haven't really talked much about our work. We've just no. been friends. I know. That's why. Thank you Which for Which is nice. Letting Who wants me to talk about work? Well, I learned so much, work, so. quite frankly. No, I want <laughs> Thanks for joining my conversation with Stella McCartney. You'll find some of my favorite Stella pieces in the Goop Shop and the full collection on StellaMcCartney.com. Clearly, Stella is fascinating to me, but the one thing that stood out today was how Stella described being careful not to be so passionate that people can't even hear what she's saying. Now, it's time for a question from one of you. What do you look for in an employee, asks Francis. Well, we have a no-asshole policy here at Goop. So that's number one. Everybody has to be nice and has to have the temperament of being for one another. I look for people who have big imaginations and fantastic work ethics and who like to work collaboratively. If you have a question you'd like me to answer here, send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. That's it for this episode of the Goop Podcast. If you have a chance, please rate, review, and let us know what you think. To keep up with new episodes, just hit subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends. For more info, check out goop.com slash the podcast. See you soon.